Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Imagine it's 1990 and you find out that there's going to be a TV movie on Showtime that's going to explain all your questions about the Norman Bates origin story. And then you get stuck with Psycho 4, the beginning. (laughs) That is what happened to your three hosts due to one vindictive new host (laughs) added to the show over a year ago. Brian? Yes? I know you've told me that you can't, but I'm still going to have to ask you to explain yourself. Uh, I don't have anything. I do. I do. (laughs) I did enjoy this movie more the more I watched it. I will say this. Like, I was like, oh, no, I made a mistake. But this movie is so fun to me. For one, there's actually only one scene that I that made me love this movie. And it was when... um, it was when the psychiatrist was on the phone with Norman and he was like, Hmm, it seems like you didn't have any ill will towards your mother until a man came in. Is there some jealousy there? And Norman's like, if you're looking for an incest story, you've come to the wrong place. So as I was saying, I was finger blasting my mother in bed during a rainstorm. <laughs> yeah. So not only is this a very incestual movie. <laughs> yeah, this movie made me super uncomfortable. Thanks for that, Brian. But it's also, here's the really weird part. Directed by Mick Garris, and this was his film right before Sleepwalkers. His so he was on like an incest kick in the early nineties. Yeah, 90s. he so, was. Man, Mick, like I love you, dude. You're, <laughs> but you are almost as problematic as Lucky McKee. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that there, there, I don't despise this movie. Oh no, I wouldn't but say I that. But I definitely either. don't like it. I, I think it's 
so here's the thing. I wrote this down and I actually do agree with this. The concept of this movie, if you take away the Norman Bates story, the concept of someone calling into a late night talk show and confessing all their crimes is a great episode of an anthology series. You know what I mean? Like quick 22 minutes in and out. That's all you need. You don't have to stretch it out for an hour and a half. Um, but in the context of this movie and it also trying to be a prequel to Psycho, it's just a it's a bit of an unnecessary mess is the problem. And like it should have ended very differently. I think yeah. I think it should have ended with him killing his wife and same the same type message as most movies like this where it's like you can't cure a psychopath. In this movie they cured a psychopath. Yeah. But here's yeah, the it's... thing is that that um well uh, I don't I don't really know how to attack this movie because I have so much to say about the conceptual aspects of it or and like the writing and what they're trying to say uh, well I'm just going to I'm just going to fumble through so I'm sorry guys but um first of all his wife deserves to die because she is a horrible person you don't go off BC because even after your husband is like, I have murdered a dozen women. I don't want to like give that those genetics to a child. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, for fucking ten years or something like that, or however long they've been together. And yeah, and then she's like, surprise, you're a dad. Even though that's the last thing in the world that you want. Yeah, that's shit. Yeah, like there's no in a court of law. Yes, he is guilty. Of, he would be guilty of murder, but. I mean, I don't know how I would feel if I, I don't know. It's just, it's fucked up. Like that's super, super fucked up when I, of the fucked up things in this movie, that is the worst one. That is the most egregious thing that happens in this movie, in my opinion. Like you, you don't do that, you know, like surprise, I'm going against all of your wishes. <laughs> this movie has a weird, like. And then he's accepts it. That's what really pisses me yeah. off. Well, I was going to say, this movie is kind of weird because I can't figure out what, the tone was intended to be because then there's like these really weird like goofy lines like early on there's the one line where they're like so you let the man who killed your daughter live in your house or whatever and he's like well she was a world-class bitch who didn't deserve raymond yeah like yeah what the like, hell it's like this weird like what is this like <clears throat> it's a very strange movie so here's something that i think is really funny to me uh, not tied to the movie specifically, but when I'm looking at the IMDb trivia, it says that Mick Garris said that Norman or uh, Anthony Perkins was the most difficult actor he's ever worked with. Yeah, I've heard him say that too. But but it also says that Anthony Perkins has said that Mick Garris is his favorite director he's ever worked with. So I love. That. So I love to know, like. You know how they made that like docu series about the filming of uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Like, I kind of want a docu series on the making of Psycho Four. That's just like Mick Garris feeling like this is the most miserable, awful thing that he's ever put himself through, and Anthony Perkins is just like, "This is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but I'm pretty sure Anthony Perkins is dead as fuck. So, probably. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like a uh, you know like a docu-series not like an actual documentary ah. like we we film like a like a narrative of what was happening at that time um i will say no matter how good or bad the movie is i really do like 
Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Like, I, I think that he kills it in this movie. Yeah. That's it. I'm sorry. I thought that you were going to say, like, how you thought he killed it. No, I just think that he every time that he's on screen, I care. And I think that that's the biggest problem is that he's not on screen that much. His mouth yeah. is. Yeah. It's it's like the my favorite part. Brian's talking about his favorite part of the movie, which was funny. I will say that the part that made me laugh the hardest. And I will admit that a large chunk of this movie, I was talking to Brian on the phone while he was driving home from a shoot. So I was kind of just watching with the closed caption for a portion of it. But uh, there's a scene where it starts to rain. And it's just this close up of the kid oh, the playing kid's face. Norman Bates. And they're just like splashing. Like it is downpouring on his face. And then it like cuts to like the wide shot. And it's like a light drizzle. Yeah. And they're just like the mom and him are just like, ah, <laughs> like, it's, it is so over the top. And I love it so, so much. I think that's Mick Garris's uh, thematic work right there. Like you, you really. He doesn't do subtle, you know? No. 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 I mean, look at how Norman's dad dies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I love... I think the person I love the most on this earth is my mother, right? And if the cops showed up at my house and said, we got bad news, your mother was found dead, I would start to break down in tears, and they'd be like, she was stung by a thousand bees. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> bees? <laughs> <laughs> well then so at first i didn't so again so here's the thing we've talked about this before um indirectly i don't even know if it's ever been on the show psycho is one of those films where the original movie is such a masterpiece it really is and they constantly are trying their best to keep this franchise that should have never been a franchise yeah, I was going thinking about that too i was like why yeah watching like, this i was like this makes no sense why they're even trying to do that and they've done so many attempts at the Norman Bates origin story, which again, it's like we don't fucking need it. Like they we don't care. It's not even well, it's not even that we don't care. It's like it's not like Michael Myers, where there's a mystery to him. It's like half the plot line of Psycho is telling us the origin. Yeah. So I don't know why we need to reiterate that he killed his mom, because we're aware. Like, <laughs> like they there's like literally a 10 minute soliloquy where the psychiatrist is walking around explaining everything at the end of the first movie. So like, I don't understand why we need to expand on it, but like the amount of ways like psycho two is decent. Psycho three is whatever. It's just a, just a slasher movie. This is like an origin story. There was the fucking was, uh, Anthony Perkins in any of the other, uh, sequels, all of them. Oh, he's always in them. Cool. Like he, he directed three. Oh, wow. Um, so he's, I mean, I think he knows that this is, I think he's kind of like in that Adam Green with Hatchet thing where he's like, well, I'd love to do other things, but this is all people want me to do. So I might as well ride it into the bank. There's been so many attempts to do this. Uh, like I have a bootleg over my DVD collection that I just keep because it's a weird little thing to have of a failed TV show pilot from the 80s called Bates Motel. What? <laughs> starring Bud Court. Uh, from Harold and Maude, where he plays Norman Bates. Or no, he doesn't even play in Norman Bates. He plays a guy who purchased the Bates Motel 
and it's haunted by ghosts. And it was oh yeah, be you told me. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. It's gonna be an anthology series where each day he helps a different ghost pass on. So fucking weird, <laughs> like, man. Like, the amount of failed attempts at like catching that lightning in a bottle or finding some way to keep this property alive when it shouldn't have been more than just a classic Alfred Hitchcock movie yeah, is I, fucking bonkers. Matt, I, I think that you you saying it was lightning in a bottle is a huge disservice to Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> but also it just, it annoys me because there's certain things like Matt brought up as far as Halloween, right? And how Halloween was written. That's what people could do. You know what I mean? Like you could be inspired by Psycho and then you could write a very close sequel in a sense, but make it its own movie. And it would probably be more successful as opposed to like trying to force the same backstory into it. Well, I sure as hell had no desire to watch any of the Psycho sequels. I wouldn't have sought this out except for Brian making me do it for the show. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I don't think we would ever want to cover it on the show, but Psycho 2 is actually a semi-decent psychological study of, as I said before, uh, it's, it's more of a study of like, what happens to someone after they've done their time for their crime and are re-released into a society that doesn't want them. And it's, it's an interesting look at that, but it also, like Brian said, could have been just an equally good movie without it being psycho and just being about any person who did a murder and was re uh, released from prison. You know what I mean? As a reformed person, like that was the big thing is that it's him reformed, but society doesn't want to accept him as reformed because he's a monster um so that was a cool like that was a very interesting movie i forget who made that but like they're not like brian said they're not bad movies they're just movies that have no business having to be a psycho movie (laughs) (laughs) i mean does anyone else have anything they want to call out about this movie? i do actually have a lot to say because i haven't even touched any of my notes um so uh just i'll just rattle them off real quick and um you know chime in but the Mother Killers is a pretty solid band name. <laughs> uh, so I think I might name my next band The Mother Killers. Um, <laughs> so uh, the the girl, his first kill. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about her. Yeah, that that was in, that scene was insane. She's like, do fireworks get you hot? That's one of the things. And then she is so horny. There's no girl that has ever been this horny in the history of the world. Like she's just horny and interested in seeing Norman's room, even though he says his mother's in there. And, and then she's like, our, uh, she, she, he turns around cause he thinks he hears his mother. Um, spoiler alert. She's already fucking dead. But uh, he's like, did you hear that? And while he's turned around, she takes off her top and his eyes get real big. And she's like, <laughs> okay, un unclasp me or whatever. Um, Release me from my breast prison. Um, and <laughs> that is a paraphrase, not a real quote. And then um, he can't do it. She's like, let me. And then she takes it off and she's like, um, she's like, do you want to touch him? And he, his eyes are just like the, the face he makes oh, he's a, the first time oh, he's he sees a 14 boobs. year old. Yeah. But the thing is, is, I'm 37 and I still make that face. <laughs> Anyway, so then she throws her panties at him and he just sniffs them. And she goes, is that a good smell? (laughs) So this movie really is a comedy. Uh, Man. And then he fucking kills her. Um, 
I think that this is a really weird thing where he gets triggered to kill anytime sex is involved because he gets a boner on top of his mom. Yeah. It's so that's like a wow, this is depressing. Sorry, I I'm doing a little bit of research and I just looked at uh Anthony Perkins uh IMDb page and you know the filmography on IMDb is like their four most notable things. Mm-hmm. And it's Psycho, Norman Bates, Psycho 3, Norman Bates, Psycho 2, Norman Bates, The Friendly Persuasion. <laughs> like, yeah. His 1956 drama romance war western that he was in. What? Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I think that's such a weird, like, I get that that's like the unspoken thing in the first Psycho of like, you know, he wanted to have this girl, but his mom told him sex was bad. So that so like mother comes out and kills, but like he is, I can't remember. I watched this, I watched this five days ago and I've already wiped it mostly out of my memory banks. Is he dressed like mother when he kills her? Mm-hmm. No, right? Yeah, no, he, he dresses yeah, up he like is. mother every time he kills anybody. Okay, okay. Yeah. That cool. is I wanted some to make consistency sure. in this film. I was like, they better not have broken that shit. Um, also, Psycho 2, that's what I was trying to find, was Psycho 2 was written by Tom Holland. It was one of his, oh. uh, it was the screenplay that he did right before Fright Night and Child's Play. So. Uh, wow, I'm yeah. actually kind of interested then. Yeah. It's it's I mean it's definitely not in that same vein as fun and goofy, but it you know Tom Holland's a pretty solid writer, yeah. or at least was for like a a decade and a half had like a a pretty good streak. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So the the scene with the girl in the fireworks is like again where it's like so abs- if this movie leaned more into the absurdity, I think it would be better. But it's trying to act like it has something that it needs to say, and it's got it's got nothing. No. And I honestly, no, it, I wish he didn't kill his mom. Like, I thought it was a cheap death. I thought it was a stupid death. And it, like, kind of, I don't know. Because cause Psycho was inspired by Ed Gein, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And his whole thing was his mother was his best friend. And then when she died, he felt so alone in this world. And he started murdering because his only friend was gone. Because yeah. his brother and, I, and father had died years earlier. And I kind of like that story better than like, I killed my mother and now I'm killing people pretending I'm my mother, you know? Well, or like you could do something similar to that where it's not like if he accidentally killed the mom, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like they yeah. were fighting at the top of the stairs and, and he, he like got her. angry and shoved her. Yeah. Like something like that. And then it's like, that makes more sense where it's like, he didn't mean to kill her. And now he's desperately trying to pretend that she never died. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I think like that's that why makes I got so angry. Because they, <laughs> they chose, like, the most premeditated way to kill someone. Like, you can't get much yeah. more premeditated than it. He's like, oh, yeah, I slowly poisoned her. I was like, oh, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> it's a, like I said, there's, there's ways that this movie could have worked, but I just still stand by it. Probably didn't need to exist. No, no. But also, no, I'm curious how, like, Scott, do you remember when Showtime, like, officially launched? No, I didn't have, um, I did not have cable growing up. So, um, you know, I, I had 3, 5, and 8, and, and PBS. Well, never mind. I was like, maybe this was, like, early on in Showtime, because I don't remember them doing TV movies. But according to their wiki, they launched in 1976. So now they've been going for a while by the time this happened. Um, Because, yeah, like, 
I remember made for TV movies. Yeah. They were usually miniseries. I don't remember like HBO and Showtime and them doing like made for TV movies that much though. Yeah, they did. Because I thought their whole I'm pretty sure that HBO's yeah, whole shtick was. Yeah. See, I thought their whole shtick was like, hey, we're getting those movies that you don't have to go to the video store and rent. You just pay this premium price and we're playing them nonstop. No, no, no. If you and HBO, like, they have everything that they've ever put out. So you can go on your HBO app and see like they've had shit since I know as early as the nineties. I mean, okay. I think um, the West Memphis three, I think the first one of that was like 1992, 19. No, that's not true. When was that? <laughs> it was, it, it was in the nineties though. The first, uh, the first West Memphis Memphis three documentary. Gotcha. All right. Then I stand corrected. <laughs> Sorry, Scott, continue with your notes. Oh, uh, I don't even, I, I the only other thing I really want the the massage is super embarrassing and uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I feel like super embarrassing and uncomfortable pretty much is the the three word review <laughs> of, of this movie. So, um, so I have two things to say. One, um, next time I am making out with my wife, I really hope that she says, "Baby, you got a tongue like an elephant's memory." Because that is a quote from this film, and uh, it is one of the rarest compliments I have ever heard. Uh, I don't actually know how it's a compliment, um, because an elephant's memory, I'm guessing an elephant's memory is long, um, but I feel like it should be more like it's trunk, like you got a tongue like an elephant's trunk that's searching for a peanut, because he just can't stop, you know, throat kissing her. Uh, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. So anyway, uh, uh, the last thing I have to say about this movie is actually a question for Brian. Um, what was your reasoning for picking it? Because I'm assuming you've watched this before or you had not watched it before. So I had not watched it before. Um, and I was very easily overwhelmed. Um, by what? By your guy's catalog. So, so Matt... <laughs> So Matt was like, here's a list of every movie we've ever done. Um, so Holy just shit, don't this put has been on your on list since then? Because that was yeah. like a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is when I first joined the show. And I was like, <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to do a Psycho sequel. Okay. Um, but I, if you look at like my first things I added, they're always like four, five, six. It's never the first three because I just never felt like going back and reading the catalog. And at that point, I didn't realize that you guys didn't do things chronologically. <laughs> so I was like, okay, the chances of them doing one, two, and three, there's no way that there's four yet. So I would just like pick like four. And that's why like I pick like Curse of Michael Myers and fucking Jason Goes to Hell and all these things that I guess we can bleep out because we haven't done any of those yet. Um, <laughs> that's not going to edit you. No, no because, because you're like, well, I could pick Jason Goes to Hell, but man, Bloody Murder 2 <laughs> is just really sticking out at me. Or like, hmm. Octoman, that's the one I want. Not that, look, I know that we enjoyed Aquaman. Uh, Octoman. I'm just saying. So, There's a lot of decent mainstream choices that would make great episodes that you keep choosing garbage over. So you guys just need to, here's the thing, primarily, Matt, you need to chill out because you're doing this to yourself. Like, I forgot, I forgot Bloody Murder 2 was even on my list, but... It, I guess it was like towards the top. So you're like, why the hell are we doing Bloody Murder 2? When are we doing that? And I'm like, that's next. We're doing that next. 
So this is what it would be like to have a brother. Mm, this is interesting. Yeah. This one I apologize for. No, don't um, apologize for this one. This one is actually pretty solid. I mean, like, I think we got a good episode out of it. And I think yeah, this, this is, we got 25 minutes before we've gone into any of the other segments. That's incredible. And I don't know if, uh, what's it called? I don't know if it was like this on the computer when Scott watched it, or if it's just because I expanded it. Cause I, uh, cast, I go on YouTube to watch the videos and then I'll cast it to my TV. But it was, it looked like I was watching it projected on the, on a night bright. Like yeah, just, I saw that too. Okay, yeah. It seemed like it was a little too zoomed in at some points. Yeah, and hey man, I have a question. Like, Since I'm assuming you watched it on DVD, right? I watched it on the Scream Factory Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, do you see the first girl's boobs? Or is yeah. you do? Uh, curses! <laughs> <laughs> because I was thinking since it was a TV movie, I was like, well, they're not going to show that. But I was well, like... Well, that's the thing. I, I made a note. I had written a note and I didn't read it because it said, up until the boobs, I swear this was a TV made-for-TV movie. And then I did more research and wrote, ah, because it was showtime. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks All for right, that, Brian. Brian. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Ryan, what's your double feature for Psycho 4? Um, I, I honestly don't have one. Um, I would go with nothing. I have nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Psycho 3. Psycho 3. <laughs> would you watch them in reverse chronological order? <laughs> yeah, I would watch Psycho 4 first and then say, oh, I need more. Uh, or, or Godfather 3. Both were sequels we don't need. Both were like a 20-minute present-day story with a bunch of old shit. Would you actually watch Godfather 3 and Psycho 4 in a sitting? Like, that sounds insane. No, and it's it's weird because I like, I love Godfather 1 and 2. I despise Godfather 3. I don't think I've even seen all of the Godfather. Oh, they're good. All right, Scott... You want to you wanna go next on the double feature? Because I know you're not going to take mine. Mm-hmm. I will, in fact, go next. Um, let me get... Oh, shit. I didn't write down any... I almost... All, I almost ex- <laughs> oh, you just gave a shit last week about this. <laughs> See, that's the thing is that like I was just so floored by this movie. So, okay. Here's the thing that I am going to... I'm going to 
pull an audible and I'm going to say this movie spends half of its time on the phone. So I'm going to go with another movie that spends half of its time on the phone. Um, but it's also one that I really like. Now, I watched it back in the Reddit Horror Club days. Uh, I think that it was actually an episode, or uh, not an episode, but it was a discussion that we did. Um, I don't think that we did an episode on it. I can't remember. But uh, The Caller, from I think I want to say 2011. Okay. Remember that one where it's like the girl moves into the apartment and she gets a phone call from a woman in the past? So we we definitely didn't do that episode because I never got around to watching it. Um, but yes, I know the one that you're talking about. I think, weirdly enough, fun fact, I think that movie was produced by the WWE, which makes zero sense, but it was one of like the two random horror movies they made. Well, the WWE did No One Lives. Yeah, but this was like one where it doesn't even have a wrestler. In. Yeah. Like they were just like, hey, we're just making a movie. I can see No One Lives being a WWE production. You know, like it's got that <laughs> that aesthetic, but The Caller, definitely not. So that's kind of mind blowing. I actually thought, as you were giving the description, I thought you were either going to go with that or Pontypool was the other one I was thinking about. I just about. didn't like Pontypool, but that could, like, I could see you doing Pontypool. So, but Pontypool is not what I'm going to go with. Uh, technically, the movie I'm about to pick would actually be a better double feature with Pontypool <laughs> than not. But I, I want to give a shout out to it because I saw it at Fantastic Fest and it was one of the only ones that I didn't get an interview to, like, really promote. Uh, I would double feature this with a movie called Vast of Night, which is a really, really fun film that mostly takes place with a radio station. The The concept of the movie is that it's the 1950s. It starts off being presented as an episode of The Twilight Zone. Um, as in, like, it starts off with a TV in a living room that's turned on and a very Twilight Zone-esh credits starts playing. And then the camera zooms in closer and closer to the TV and starts off in black and white and then slowly fades into color. And then you're in the movie for the rest the next hour and a half. Hmm. Uh, but it's about two high schoolers who uh, one works the telephone uh, is like a telephone receptionist um, in the 50s where you had to like keep unplugging all those yeah. cords and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the other teenager works at the local radio station down the street. And she starts hearing, she's listening to the radio while taking, doing the telephone stuff. And the radio is interrupted by these weird sounds. So she calls the radio station and then starts getting the weird sounds on telephone lines and starts playing the signals through the phone onto the radio and asking if anybody has heard that sound before. And it starts to unveil this weird mystery within the town. Uh, and it's it's this really cool all in one night. These two teenagers trying to figure out: Are there aliens coming? Um, were aliens there prior? Is this a government thing? Like what is happening? And it's just very well done. It's it's a nice, captivating movie uh, that is a lot better than Psycho Four, uh, <laughs> but does take place in a crazy radio show, basically. So <laughs> that's my double feature. Uh, does anyone have anything they need to promote? Give a big old thumbs up to. I do. Oh, go for it. Uh, so the I I got really excited by the preview for Antlers. Did you see the preview for Antlers yet? Mm -mm. No. So it's um based on a short story called The Quiet Boy. That was um it's. The guy that writes for Channel Zero, I can't remember his name on the, off the top of my head, but um, Channel Zero, which is on uh, Shudder. Um, but uh, Carrie Russell uh, is okay. going to be um, Felicity uh, <laughs> for any any of you 90s babies. Um, but yeah, it's it's 
this teacher who has a kind of like a troubled student um, that she's trying to help and then people start to wind up dead in the uh, town and it's a monster movie uh, but I read The Quiet Boy uh, which is the the short story that was the it is got turned into the the film um and that movie doesn't come out until april 2020 but um it is really good and it got me really inspired to do my next mask build so um I, i'm when any of you guys see that see some of my progress stuff on like instagram you'll you'll be like oh okay and you'll know but like i i, I would suggest anybody read the short story you can find it on the guernica um magazine's website i read it for free you know like it was just up there um i'm sure that they're going to add something more to it for the film because obviously you can't turn a 10 pager into an hour and a half movie so um i I, you say that but you know peter jackson took a 150 page children's book and turned it into a three-part film series so (laughs) be impressed (laughs) Well, yes, but uh, I really liked it. I highly recommend it to anybody. Brian, actually, you go first. Well, I want to start off by a fun fact I forgot to bring up in the early part of the episode. Although it doesn't pertain to Psycho 4, it does pertain to Psycho that I found very interesting. Um, So, obviously, the movie Psycho is based on a book of the same name. And when Alfred Hitchcock bought the rights to the movie... He also bought every available copy of the book in the country. So no one would be, so everyone would be surprised by the twist ending. <laughs> That's amazing. I, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't know that. I so, have a copy of the Psycho 2 book, but I refuse to read it until I find a copy of the original Psycho first because I have a feeling that it, like, that it's a very big departure from the movie overall. Yeah. And then as far as movies I watched, um, there's this one that I I talked to Matt briefly about. So I watched Eli on Netflix. And I don't know, I I genuinely don't know if it was a good movie or a bad movie. But I know that I really liked it, if that makes any sense. Well, then it doesn't matter if it was good or bad, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I like really liked it, but I'm not ready to defend (laughs) it. (laughs) Fair. So, no, that's like most of yeah. your picks for our movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, started watching What We Do in the Shadows, uh, the TV series. How is that? This is kind of a hot take. I like it better than the movie. Oh. Really? I, I, yeah, I love the so movie. I'm blown like, away by the movie, yeah. No, like yeah. I, I think the movie's okay, but the the series actually, I think it's the set, well, I think that the the um having it be a tv show makes more sense in the narrative presentation because watching an hour and a half of nothing happen um just kind of bored me i i like jokes i like to laugh you know but like i think that the concept of what we do in the shadows works so much better as a tv show so um we have watched the first two episodes and it's really funny. Like, I also think that this, it might also be due to the fact that I really like the uh, characters that they have because they have different vampires for, for the TV show, right? Um, so they, 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 
did a really good job of casting them. Uh, I think that they are very funny. Nadia, uh, the, the lady vampire, is really, really, really funny. She um, falls in. Oh, she had like a a human lover in years past, and he obviously died. And she finds this guy who reminds her of her dead human lover and the stuff that she says to him is just so funny <laughs> it is it is hilarious i highly recommend you guys check it out it's on hulu now it was i mean i it was a an fx show but um obviously i don't have fx uh and now that it's on hulu uh, i can start watching it all right and i'm gonna keep mine short and sweet uh because i don't want to spoil anything but i saw the lighthouse and it's fantastic um i think that it's a better technical achievement than an actual storyline but i don't think it's trying to tell a story i think it's trying to visually kind of just be impressive um the best way i can describe it is if like hp lovecraft cronenberg and uh uh bergman all just made a movie in the 1920 like it's yeah it's a lot of uh just visual symbolism less than a story uh but it's great I, I highly recommend it. We we may go see it today as of the, the recording, uh, yeah. Recording of this. Yeah. yeah. I think we may see it. Well, today. if you do, text me because I want to talk about it. Um Yeah, well I have I have like four people I need to text about it because there are like you, Katie, yeah. my tattoo artist. Like, yeah. there are... I will say because uh, a few people have asked me this. If you liked the witch, but but the the accents and stuff were a little bit difficult for you and you preferred watching it with subtitles so that you could really make sure that you were capturing everything you may want to do the same for the lighthouse just because they have very thick drunken sailor voices the whole time and there were (laughs) there were definitely a few points where i was like i don't know if i totally caught what he said there (laughs) because it's like imagine (laughs) imagine a movie where it's just two characters that talk like Quint from Jaws when he's at his drunkest. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, there's definitely moments where I'm like, I, I don't know if I followed that one, <laughs> um, but yeah. So that was psycho for the beginning from 1990 picked by Brian guys. I haven't said this in a really long time and I probably should get better at it, but if you haven't go ahead and rate review and subscribe to the show on whatever podcasting app you're listening to us on, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash HMN podcast and hit us up on all of our social media. We would love it. Next week. We are going to talk about another sequel that goes in a completely different direction to their franchise than Psycho 4 did with Psycho. So stay tuned and check out what that is. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. (sighs) Um... 
And also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.